Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables, and he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside everything is said in parables, so that they may ever be seeing but not perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word at once and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for things comes in and choke, chokes the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times sown. And also Matthew 12:33 says, make a good Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. This might summarize what I saw and is to be celebrated among the sowers that we invest in in Honduras, in Belize, and in Brazil. This trip had three major stops. The first one in Ciguatapeque, Honduras. I arrived in Honduras midday on Thursday, the 12th of March, where Wyatt and Yana Sutton met me. They originate from this church. Uh, Wyatt was once the youth pastor of this church many years ago. It is also uh, the city where they serve, is also where uh, Gordon and Pat Mills live and minister. Wyatt had asked me to get there by midday on Thursday because he wanted me to see as much as possible as, um, of his regular routine. And we headed out right away to band rehearsals that he had that day. I shadowed him the entire time that I was there, the four days I was there, as he led rehearsals, taught classes from band to choir to voice to theory to rhythm and advanced guitar lessons. Some of these are at the seminary. Others are at the church where they serve. Friday, he was able to, I was able to speak in the chapel at that seminary. <clears throat> and then there were more rehearsals Friday afternoon. And then I spent the evening with the Mills on Friday night. Gordon and Pat Mills have a lovely home that they use often for ministry and hospitality. They also serve with Awana in this country. This is a kids' club ministry that has a great opening in the local schools in Honduras. The Mills' role specifically is one of support through administration and finance for this organization, but they report great opportunities that they, uh, the organization has to share the message of Christ in the public school setting right there in Honduras. I stayed at the Sutton's home, and so Saturday there were more lessons and more rehearsals in the morning. And then Saturday afternoon, we headed up the mountains for a youth service at one of the churches that the organization of churches that uh, their mission has founded has planted. This is located in the very first building that John McKay put up in Honduras, but one of just many, many like this that were constructed. Three of us men sat in the back of this pickup, back banging around like marbles in a coffee can, 
And the reason was because the double cab was filled with six other people, and this wasn't even a mid-sized pickup truck. It was great to see the students lead and perform the service there. The church has outgrown this facility, and so they plan to build a larger structure and then disassemble this one and move it an hour and a half walk up the mountain to the next church plant that needs a building. John designed this building in this way for this very purpose, and I understand that there are more more than a dozen of these that have already been disassembled and moved for these very same reasons as these churches multiply. Many people here at Bethlehem have been a part of constructing these buildings over the past 20 years or so uh, by going on short-term trips like we've heard about this morning that were organized by John and Julie. This kind of multiple benefit of these buildings are reflective of the Sutton's ministry over the 40 years that they have been in Honduras. They have truly a multiplication ministry that they have been sowing for these many, many years. Wyatt has discipled young leaders to teach one band while he teaches another one. Other students of his are teaching guitar and piano while he is teaching a different band group. When they moved to this city, Siguatepeque, 23 plus years ago, there were only four people in this city that knew anything about or could read music. Now, in a city of 90,000 people, there is not a single school or church that has a music director or teacher that have not been taught by Wyatt and Yana. He teaches voice, rhythm, sight reading, and choir three uh, hours a day, four days a week. He makes his own guitars, and he's taught others to make those guitars. All of the guitars that they have at that school, they have made themselves. Wyatt leads music at a church, but only on occasion, because he has trained others to do so. Happens to be a medical director that teaches, uh, that is the music director of that church. Wyatt also leads musical outreaches and performances at local and uh, the national level. Wyatt does evangelism, music, uh, choir clinics, and preaches at various churches. And Wyatt and Yana have a visible relationship with many in the community. It was very obvious as his car was recognized everywhere we went. We can be proud to be a part of this couple's ministry for so long. Not that picture, maybe, but uh, they will be with us in August, and Wyatt will be speaking when he's here on August 16th. My next stop, uh, Monday, March 16th, was Independence Belize to see Sylvia Adelson, who teaches religious studies at uh, the local public high school there, and she has children's programs that she runs in Mayan villages on the outskirts of Independence. Last week you heard about my adventure on the high seas. We'll just move immediately to Monday morning, where I got on a very calm taxi boat from my hotel, went to Independence, and met Sylvia there. We went straight to the Nazarene Church, where we had breakfast that had been prepared for us and, a, and three other pastors Uh, and a wife of one of these pastors. Sylvia then explained to us that morning, as we had heard before, of her plan of sharing in her three classes that day in the high school. Each of us was to share our personal testimonies of faith in Christ. Now, these four pastors represented an African-American pastor born in America, a Caucasian American born in Africa, a Belizean Mayan, and a Belizean Creole pastor. The idea was to make it evident that we all share the same faith in Christ and able to underscore that faith in Him is not about denominations or church affiliations, but personal faith 
in Christ no matter who you are and where you come from. It was a brilliant idea that Sylvia orchestrated and uh, it went very well indeed. At, at breakfast, we prayed for each of the students in the classes, and then we headed for the school. We met the principal and the vice principal of the school, who were very happy to have us there. Uh, each class went very well and progressed each time from, uh, expectedly, various levels of interest or disinterest initially to great engagement, laughter, and interaction by the end. The last speaker uh, was the local pastor of the Nazarene Church, who happens to also be an alumnus of the school itself and serves on the board of the school. And he closed each class with an opportunity to pray and receive Christ. This was an excellent opportunity and a great idea of Sylvia's that proved very effective. Over the next day and a half, I was able to see the town where she lives and her home. We went to a dental clinic that Global Outreach, the mission organization she's with, has there. And I happened to see a short-term team of dentists and hygienists working in those very days. We also went to two Mayan villages where she runs Sunday school programs and the church is there and ministers to women. Uh, these are in remarkably remote locations. The people live there in structures of concrete floors with a few conveniences like electricity and raised beds. But the homes are still made of thatched roofs and board walls and a kind of earthen oven that they cook on. They have varying levels of education. Some are employed, some farm cocoa and do beekeeping and so on to support themselves. Sylvie informs me that they choose to live the way they have lived for centuries. It was fascinating to sit in their homes and speak with them. They speak English. This used to be British Honduras, so uh, the common language is English. It was great to share our common faith in Christ and learn about their culture and the church that they have planted there. And while we were there, Sylvia was able to set up the viewing of the Jesus film, which they showed on Good Friday evening. Sylvia has an excellent ministry in uh, teaching in this high school. They are quite open to her sharing true Christianity as she teaches religious studies, as long as she is uh, also willing to explain the, major, uh, the other major religious expressions as well. Sylvia also has a great ministry to the children in these area churches north and south of where she lives. Everyone knows her well. She's well accepted in town uh, and in the villages. She has a real and genuine relationship with the locals. Uh, at one point, Sylvia was asked to be a godparent, which is something that is done at marriage of a, a Mayan girl who had been in her program. Now, recently, when they had had marital difficulties, she was the one that was called in to do the counseling, which she happens to have a degree in, and that actually went very, very well. That opportunity would never have happened if she was not literally considered a part of the family because she was a part uh, asked to be this godmother. This is just one of the families that we visited, and the love and the care and the relationship were very evident indeed. Sylvia lives an impressively simplistic life of constant and living uh, faith. She is a brilliant scientist, but someone who is also sold out to serving the Lord now in ways that she never would have imagined doing many years ago. I found Sylvia's ministry to be personal and effective. She is brave, brave faith-filled, and fully committed to doing what the Lord would ask her to do. Then on Thursday the 19th, I flew out of Independence, Belize, on my way to Rio de Janeiro. I didn't arrive until Saturday morning. I'd love to tell you why that took me so long, but that will wait for just the right place in an upcoming sermon when I need a great illustration. I arrived in Brazil to see Craig and Alessandro Wiant, who work with the EFCA missionary arm there called Reach Global. Upon arriving in Brazil, Craig and I headed straight to a training session that he was going to be leading that day. 
It is deep in the heart of one of the most dangerous favelas in Rio. These are fascinating, chaotic, and can be slum-like ghettos that climb the mountainsides of Rio. You may have seen these on TV. If you're not, you will see them as we move towards the Olympics next year. However, I also learned that they contain hard-working blue-collar families that have carved out decent dwellings in this mayhem and that this is the home of millions of people, not all in abject poverty, but some. The city, with some measure of success, have driven back the drug lords who controlled these areas and they have brought in power, water, sewer, and civil protection. Most significantly, they have built a beautiful gondola ski-like system that allows these residents a way in and out of the miles of these sprawling favelas, giving them easy access to work, shopping, and moving about in a reasonable amount of time. Inside one of these sprawling favelas was an amazing ministry called Salt and Light. It is deeply embedded in this community. A couple of Brazilian missionary women live there and work there, sharing the gospel, teaching them life skills, and offering programs of various activities in community and, uh, and programs in community development as well. That afternoon, Craig taught a clear biblical lesson of creation and God's design for both provision and creation care. He then applied that very specifically in a kind of micro-environment that is simple and affordable to construct, maintain, and sustain that can produce both fish and plants for eating. The idea is to use this in connection with other initiatives that they have with local residents teaching them how to care for where they live and raise affordable foods through gardening and other self-sustaining initiatives like this, all the while sharing the gospel and starting churches. This ministry of salt and light represents just one of Craig's various ministry partners. These partners mostly are made up of young Brazilian adults who are products of the strong and growing evangelical church in Brazil. They are brave, intelligent, motivated engineers, students, and professionals. They are planting churches in drug-ridden and gang-controlled communities and so much more. They are bravely bringing light into very dark places. They are starting missions and ministries that reach various kinds of groups, from the poor to surfers, athletes, out into remote parts of the jungle of Brazil and even into other countries around the world. Some of these young leaders have sought out Craig for his help. Others he has reached out to and developed mentor, uh, relationships in which he mentors them, leading them through strategic tools and ministry development. He offers advice and input on how they can better manage, lead, and direct these growing ministries. This is all because in 2006 and 7, Reach Global began to call all ministries to multiply healthy churches, which happens to be the mission of our movement. For Reach Global in Brazil, where the evangelical presence is large, and who have themselves become a missionary sending country, this called for a radical shift in North American missionaries' roles in the country. They had been characterized by teams of missionaries dominating a ministry work with little development of the Brazilians and very limited church multiplication. Under the old model, Craig was one of five missionary units working on planting a single church where he was the youth pastor. It was no surprise for me to find a beautiful building and property and the perfect little church that was produced by this approach. But it was also no surprise to me 
to hear that once the missionaries under this old model sought to turn this over to a Brazilian pastor, it took ten years and five different Brazilian pastors before one of those pastors would stay and the missionaries would sufficiently let the work alone to become truly indigenous. Craig might just be a poster child for this new model of empowering, equipping, and preparing Brazilians for ministry. In fact, he heralds this paradigm shift in his ministry to saving his missionary career. At the same time, ironically, that shift led to the departure of most of the missionaries that were held to this old model. Craig embraced the new paradigm and began to pursue it. He chose and found and was sought out by young believers with whom to partner, mentor, and coach. Some of the materials he uses are familiar to the leadership of this church, as we have used some of these same materials produced by the Evangelical Free Church of America on organizational leadership and strategy and intentional living and so on. Other examples of partners are this church, Life Church, whose uh, mission is living the Great Commission, loving and discipling. Fabio is a young guy of 22 years of age, or he was, when... As a part of a large church, he was commissioned to be a minister. He had a choice to be a youth pastor in an established church or to move into uh, Kaju with his wife and one other couple and start a church from nothing. Kaju was known as the Forgotten Neighborhood. They moved into this gang-controlled area before pacification. Pacification is when the military comes in and drives out all the drug lords, puts enough cops in there to scare you to death, and brings some safety to the community. Amazing stories came out of the planning of this church uh, through their sharing the gospel in the middle of the night with drug traffickers stepping in and saving kids who were being tortured before they were executed by these drug lords. They now number 350 plus in their worship service. They are renovating this warehouse and developing programs in it. They're planting a second church in another part of the city that I was able to preach in while Craig translated for me. People are getting saved. They're finishing high school. Now a number are even college graduates. And Craig was sought out by them to come and help them. He teaches them Pathways, which is a ministry preparation course. Uh, He does leadership mentoring of uh, Fabio, and he organizes work teams that come and work there. My last day, we met uh, Rodrigo of Mission Base that Craig spends each Tuesday with from 9 to 12. Mission Base is an organization that is equivalent to something we have in the United States called Missio Nexus. It is a kind of umbrella organization that helps Brazilian mission organizations. He works directly with 35 of these uh, that have a common faith and purpose, but can help as many as 57. Those 57 mission organizations, Brazilian mission organizations, represent 2,000 missionaries who planted 500 churches last year. Rodrigo and Mission Base create a link between the local church and mission agencies, offering missionary care, focusing on the missionary, technical support for agencies, training churches how to take care of their missionaries. And they also organize the largest missionary conference each year in Brazil uh, with 2,000 people in attendance. And they continue to burst new ways to reach new leaders. Craig mentors this leader and takes him through the leadership materials that I've already mentioned. The WEAN's criteria for partnership with these uh, different organizations are missional alignment, doctrinal alignment, and then interdependence. He says, we don't start, but we assist. We don't pay, but we will partner. As they move and engage, we will respond in kind. Craig and Alessandra are true people persons. Craig is a mentor and developer. 
He's been changed by the very tools that he uses. And he's now using those to shape and assist others. Mark 4.20 Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. The good soil of persistent faith, diligent work, tenacious dependence on a loving God will mean amazing things in building God's kingdom. May we be as faithful as those that we pray for, send, and support. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the challenge of seeing what you're doing in places that we so often patronize. As third world, as underdeveloped, as not all that we are. And yet, we find ourselves challenged. by the multiplication of seed sown on good soil in the hearts of people who are faithful, obedient, and willing. Would you work to soften the soil of our hearts that we might be as faithful and fruitful. In Jesus' name.